Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. As we begin today, we just want to share, you know, it is always our desire to look at God's Word, open our Bibles, and consider a specific passage that we can apply to our personal lives. Well, tonight, talk about this, that important step of head to heart for each of us. Walt and I practice it with each other, but we want to share that practice with you in your walk with God. You know, James 1.22 tells us, but don't just listen to God's word. Don't be hearers of his word. You must do what it says. Be doers as well. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves if you're only hearing and walking away from it. Be doers. Well, you know, we've looked at the life journeys of several men and women in the Old Testament over the past few months. There have been many more real accounts in the Old Testament. There, It's filled. It's filled with people, men and women, real life stories. But we also want to share some life journeys that are found in the New Testament. Some, some of the journeys we've covered have involved extensive travel, Abraham's journey from Ur of the Chaldees to the land of promise. Joseph taken down to Egypt and living there as a slave before he was raised to the position, the second place in Pharaoh's court. You know, other journeys that we've taught on, they didn't involve travel, but rather trusting God right where you are, right where you live. This was true of Rahab. This was true of Deborah. And it is also true in today's lesson. We're going to turn to the Gospel of John, where we will spend time today in the city of Jerusalem, a great city to visit. Oh, a great city (laughs) to visit. We'd love to have you go with us to Israel. But we're going to meet a man named Nicodemus. You know, only John's Gospel mentions this man, and we are going to visit with him three times. But let's begin with a secret meeting one night in the city of Jerusalem. And Brenda, and even as you've introduced this, we, we need to go to John chapter 3, and it says this in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so that we ask questions of the text. What does it mean that he's a, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews? And what's the difference between Pharisees and Sadducees? There were a number of different sects in Jerusalem, uh, different groups that had a different view on what their purpose was. And the Pharisees were the, the people that taught the law. They were the ones that when we went into the Babylonian captivity 500 years earlier, and there's no temple to worship at, they're the ones that established local synagogues, places where you could teach the law. And they're very different from the Sadducees. The Sadducees were um, largely allied with Rome, and, and they, they were more liberal in their view of the law. They, they wouldn't take it so seriously. But Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a ruler of the law. And, and why does he come to Jesus at night? Well, he, he stated these, these words of belief. You're a rabbi, 
a teacher from God. So he's showing him respect and demonstrate, I, I want to be taught by you. But no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Now, at this point, Nicodemus seems like he's really interested in becoming a follower of Jesus. But he does it secretly because at this point he knows there's a lot to lose because Jesus is not appreciated by most of the Pharisees. Right. And, you know, as you're explaining that, well, I know just in a number of teaching, Bible study, small group settings, that question comes up, what's the difference? But there's also a difference, and you and I were talking about this earlier, Jesus seems to accept Nicodemus and and these questions as he comes to him this first evening in in the in the nighttime, right? Yeah, very different than many of the other Pharisees in there trying to trip Jesus up. They're trying to to make him look like he doesn't know because he's not educated the way they would normally educate. Where where does he get these words from? And I love that over and over Jesus says, "You've heard it said, and then he says, but I say to you, he, he taught as one having authority. Right. And that really ticked off the Pharisees. Yeah, yeah, they did not, they didn't believe, you know, who are you? You're from Nazareth. You're you're a man that we don't know what your background is, and it's questionable, right? Right. And Jesus, you know, now answers Nicodemus. Um, again, I mean, I have to insert this attribute of God Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's sovereign. He's omniscient. He knows what is going on here in this situation. And he knows that Nicodemus is seeking. Mm -hmm. And Jesus treats a seeker differently than someone who is coming to be accusatory or critical, right? Right. So Jesus answers him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And now Jesus answers this truly, truly again, 29 times in John's gospel. Jesus uses this truly, truly, and it it's a clue. It's saying, pay attention. Listen to what I'm going to say, because truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, listen, 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 I'm going to say something really important. Born again, this phrase literally means to come from above. You must be born again. It's a gift from above to see the kingdom of God. Unless one's born of water and the spirit, this new birth is from God through the spirit and it's necessary in order for one, any one, any one of us to enter the kingdom of God. And as the text continues, I love, Jesus is going to unpack this a little bit more. In verse he says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And I just love that, this this understanding of, hey, you don't know where the wind comes from or goes, um, but that's like the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes and goes as he seems deems fit. And um, Jesus is saying that spiritual 
life beginning with being born again, that that is an, an, a sovereign act of the Spirit of God. And, and reminded again, for Pharisees and Sadducees, they're so intent on following the law, especially the Pharisees, right? The letter of the law. The letter that, of the law, that, right. That, that they're doing everything right, because what? That's what is going to gain them favor with God and that position. And what Jesus is saying here is, no, it doesn't involve that legal um, outward conformity, right? And so in this text, as Jesus continues down through chapter 3, we get to a verse in the Bible that we are so familiar with that many of us have heard, we've listened. And if it's a new verse to you, I want to encourage you. It's a great verse for us to memorize. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is interacting with this teacher of the Jewish law, and we find this clear um, picture of the good news. This is God's love. Each of us is given a choice. Will I believe in God's Son, or will I choose to perish? Do I want that gift of eternal life? And I love verse 17 as it follows, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. God reached out to the world. He offered the free gift of salvation through Jesus. Jesus came into the world to demonstrate, to show God's love for all people and to extend the gift of eternal life to whoever would believe in him. And that great gift, the best gift God could ever give, the most expensive, the most precious gift he could ever give, his eternal son who became the God-man Jesus. That is so important that if you reject that, there's no hope for you. Well, as we continue on, the second look at Nicodemus is found in John chapter 7. And here he reminds his colleagues in the Sanhedrin that the law requires a person be heard before being judged. Nicodemus says this in verse 50, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And Nicodemus is approaching this from a legal argument to point out this, there's incongruity here. You're dealing with a man named Jesus. However, their reply was full of scorn. I mean, they don't even consider what he's just said. They just move on. Our mind is made up, in essence, is what they're doing. Don't confuse us with any of those facts, like we shouldn't be doing this at night, and we should give him a chance to to talk with us. And they replied, this is the rest of the Sanhedrin, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And even as they say that, these religious leaders are pious, they're filled with pride, Um, they love the temple, they love the control of the people, and they looked on the Galileans with disdain. They weren't down here in Jerusalem. They weren't involved in all the, the aspects of temple worship daily. They just would come from time to time at the high holy feast. And so they're viewed with disdain and, and, and considered crude and ignorant. They, they haven't had the education we did. And even in the midst of this, it's kind of humorous. It says, no prophet arises from Galilee. And it gives a glimpse into their inaccurate or, or incomplete understanding of the Old Testament. Because if you go to Second Kings chapter 14, verse 25, it says that God spoke through his servant, Jonah, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. 
just to the north of Nazareth. There's a prophet right there, Jonah. Yeah, his prophecy short, 40 days, and Nineveh deep will be destroyed. But he's still, in Second Kings 14, he's said to be a prophet. Um, and there's also one more scene where we see Nicodemus. This time he stands beside his friends at another secret uh, place, a friend uh, that was also a secret disciple, Joseph of Arimathea. And he's a prominent member of the Council of the Sanhedrin. Um, even as we talk about like these secret followers that are trying to figure out where, how they're related and what they're going to do with Jesus, I'm reminded of the, the secret um, followers that we met at the baptism site on the Jordan River. Do you remember this? We were, we were there, and we usually have a large group of people, and there are a number of people that either want to get baptized or they want to rededicate their life, and they, they want to be baptized in the Jordan River. And so we had done that. We finished with our singing. We were getting out of the water. And um, one of the, the people in our group came up to me, and he said, um, these two men have something to ask. And so these two men, we've never seen them before, they asked, um, would we baptize them? They were from a Muslim-majority country where, one, to find a pastor is difficult. They, they learned about Jesus via the radio. But they wanted a pastor to baptize them in the Jordan, just like John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And it was just amazing because they told their personal testimonies of belief in Jesus. And we went and we baptized them along with the members of our group. And it, it was just such a great example of um, sometimes you, you need for safety's sake to, to kind of be careful, especially in these Muslim-majority countries. Yeah, and I still remember, I mean, just the joy. Oh, wow. They were so excited to to meet you and talk to you, a pastor. And yes, you listened to their testimonies. You baptized them, and, and our group was thrilled. We sang over them. We sang hymns of praise over them. It was It was a sweet celebration. Well, we've looked at John 3, we've looked at John 7, and now we want to go to John chapter 19. In this third and final appearance, Jesus has been hung on the cross to die. Nicodemus has been present throughout the day uh, because of what has where what his position is in Jerusalem. But here, Nicodemus appears, and he is going to assist his friend, who is also part of the Sanhedrin, Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, with courage, went to Pilate. And he asked for Jesus' body. So let's read in verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. And now verse 39, Nicodemus also who earlier had come to Jesus by night, remember John chapter 3, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a tomb, and which no one had yet been laid And so they laid Jesus there. You know, when Walt just shared with us, yes, Joseph was also a secret follower of Jesus. But on this particular day, he steps forward with boldness and courage. He goes to Pilate and he asks for the body of Jesus. 
They needed to bury the body before the start of Sabbath which was sundown. These two men had known each other from their meetings with the Sanhedrin over the past years, and now they come together, Joseph and Nicodemus, and they bring expensive myrrhs, um, the myrrh and aloes, the, the spices, very, very expensive, 75 pounds. In fact, these spices, this combination is what was used for the burial of kings. They wrap the body of Jesus in linen cloths. You know, Nicodemus was a secret disciple whose faith grew slowly. John 3, John 7, now John 19. But by this act, on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, we see that his faith has matured. Perhaps this is true in your spiritual journey. Maybe you've been asking questions, seeking to understand, longing to grasp a hold of a personal relationship with the Lord. That was true for my walk towards salvation. I was raised in a Christian home, taken to church as an infant. I was only weeks old. I would sit in Sunday school and church, listening to Bible stories and sermons every Sunday, But at home in the evenings, we'd have a time of family devotions. We'd read from a large children's Bible storybook. I love to look at the pictures that were there for each story on a particular night. But I remember one night, I was probably about seven. I don't know the exact date, but I went back to my bedroom. I sat on my bed and I knew that I needed to have and I wanted to have Jesus as my Savior I told him I believed he was the son of God who died to pay the penalty for my sins. You know, it had taken me time as a young girl to understand my personal need. God loved me. He gave his only begotten son, and I was ready to believe in him. And perhaps even as Brenda's sharing that, you sense the Lord is calling you, maybe initially or calling you into a, a deeper belief in Jesus Christ, one that, that has testimony to others around you. Uh, we don't know what it looks like in your life, where you are, but we believe that you're being drawn into a faith relationship with Jesus, or you're being drawn into a deeper relationship. You know, Brenda and I were just amazed that there are people from 39 different countries that listen to this little podcast every week. It's, it's, it's crazy, but all of those people have different life settings. And we're just so thankful that you come and join us and dig deeper into what Jesus said life was meant to be. You know, Nicodemus met with Jesus in Jerusalem and he asked him questions. He had a seeking heart and he had the opportunity to question the Sanhedrin council about their judgment of Jesus. And the night when Jesus hung on the cross and died, Nicodemus stepped forward with his friend, Joseph of Arimathea. They took Jesus' body, wrapped it in linen cloths and burial spices, and they laid his body in the tomb. You know, Jesus is not pushy. (laughs) No, he is patient. He's waiting. He wants to meet with you, with me. He's open. Bring your questions, but come ready to listen for his still, small voice And we invite you, if you have not acknowledged that you need Jesus as your personal Savior, we invite you to join with us and celebrate Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Friends, until our next time together, may you 
continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.